All right, what is up, you guys? Welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host, Derek. We have quite a mixed bag of topics today, ranging from random shit like Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson to uh, controversy Eminem is facing for a audio scare at a recent festival set, and um, also the XXL freshman list. I'm excited to give you guys my thoughts on that. Um, with that being said, I hope you guys are having a beautiful day, an amazing week, and um, let's get into it. So, starting with Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson, I don't know, man, it just, this it, is definitely kind of gossipy, but I felt compelled enough to, to give my thoughts on it. Um, they're, what, they've been dating for, I think, like three weeks now. Mind you, Ariana Grande just announced that her and Mac Miller broke up. So I don't know how this is going to fare for him or how he's really going to take it. Um, and from my understanding, uh, Pete Davidson also recently broke up with a longtime girlfriend. So this very much seems like a rebound into extreme commitment. And that is always a dangerous thing. Um, so they've been dating for three weeks and just announced that they're engaged, which is fucking crazy to me. Um, I don't even know, I don't know why marriage is such a big thing. Um, I guess I just don't fully understand it in my life, like what it represents to me, um, yet. So I, but I think most people interpret it as like another level of commitment. I mean, it's romanticized. It's, but the the shit is weird, man. This government document that expresses another level of commitment is just, I don't know. It's weird. Um, they're both relatively young. I think they're from my from reading up on the article. I think they're both 24. And um, so they're young, successful. Ariana Grande, obviously, you know, had a recent um, a history in television and uh, more recently is a pop superstar. And then Pete Davidson, a cast member of uh, SNL. So, and, and comedian just in general, I think. So, I don't know. I mean, humor will get you a long way. That's no knock to Pete, but that dude came up. Pete got him one. I'll say that. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just, it always blows my mind when we see shit like this, you know, because it's like you three weeks, bro, you don't even know that person really, you know, like you haven't seen like the, like all of, they're not even really themselves around you, you know, um, they probably still have their guard up in a lot of respects, I don't know, man, um, and then we kind of, as the public, just sit back, and maybe some people's intentions are pure, and they really do want the best for them, but I feel like most people are just watching, like, all right, let's see how this shit storm ends, you know, because three weeks, you don't even know the person, you're willing to get married to them, that's on some forever shit, and, uh, or at least ending up in some court shit, you know, some document divorce shit, so I don't know, but, um, they're both young, successful, I guess live your life, you know, do act on emotion, sure, why the fuck not, especially when money isn't a problem, um, I don't know, I'm genuinely happy for the two of them, and I wish the best, but shit like this just always blows my mind, um, so with that being said, now into the next story, uh, Kanye has rolled out a 
Supermoon promotion or, or campaign rather uh, the Supermoon being his recent the nickname for his recent uh, sneaker release so it's like that yellow tinted one that I was quite a fan of um, so Kanye West is making tremendous efforts with everything his name is attached to he recently came out with the album yay where all of the songs just charted the billboard uh, blessed Cuddy with a collab in Kids See Ghost or Cuddy blessed him I mean it's kind of subjective but um, and recently just had his wife Kim Kardashian roaming around LA in new, never before seen Yeezy season clothing, which I will get into right after this. Um, it's safe to say that Mr. West is doing his best to keep the public aware of his uh inescapable existence. To continue his unstoppable run, Ye now turns to his highly coveted sneaker line, which just dropped the Adidas Yeezy 500 Super Moon Yellow. To keep excitement high around the kicks, Mr. West tapped photographer and Donda collaborator Eli Russell Lynette for a new campaign that lives on social media. The hashtag uh, Supermoon sees the likes of the Clermont twins, Vernetta Bundy, Kristen Noel Crawley, and more wearing the popular shoe. Just a heads up, however, some images are not safe for work. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, it's... I think it's dope. The campaign aspect of it is dope. It's utilizing social media in the right way, I feel, um, and in a very smart way. But um, th- what's interesting to me about this is I can't help but feel like this is in response to, and this is going out on a limb, definitely an assumption, but uh, I feel like it's in response to the dropping popularity in, in Yeezys or definitely declining um, the resale value of them has plummeted for most Yeezys. I mean, you figure the blush colorway of the uh, 500 Mudrat just came out, what, um, what, maybe a couple months ago? And now is just above retail, you know, maybe 50 bucks above retail. And the same can be said for the Supermoon that just released last weekend. And that shit is crazy because I'm so used to you get a Yeezy, you really came up, you know, you can, you have the choice, you have to make that decision now, if you want to rock that, or if you want to flip it for three times what you paid for it, and, um, at least, at least three times what you paid for it, so I don't know, man, I feel like this campaign is, uh, and also, you know, looking at the resale value of Yeezys, I think, uh, I don't think it's, it's really in response to, his antics in the public recently, and all the publicity, the negative publicity, I really think it's just uh, numbers. I think there are so many Yeezys out now. I mean, you figure just models. We have the the 350, the V1, and the V2. And mind you, the V2 has like 12 colorways. Um, we have the 500. We have the 750. We have the 700. All of these are just models in their own. And then obviously those models have multiple colorways. So the market is being literally flooded with Yeezys. And uh, that's dope in an aspect. But um, I don't know. Ye better grow, you know, grow comfortable with seeing them on shelves. I mean, I think in the near future, we may see Yeezys on sale. Um, especially with this uh, 350 V2 cream white restock. It's rumored um, 
I believe it was Yeezy Mafia that leaked the information. It's always fucking Yeezy Mafia. But um, they recently leaked the information, or not so recently. I think this was like a month ago, um, that they would there would be a restock on the cream white uh, 350s and that this was going to be the largest numbers that we've seen. These are quite literally meant to be the Yeezy for everyone. And uh, we've seen this release in the past, the same colorway, but now it's going to come back in huge numbers. And this is the one that the first one that I really think will obviously see sitting, but uh, possibly even on sale. And that's crazy to think. And just from a brand optics perspective, it's interesting. Maybe this is this like kind of a symbol of Adidas not ditching the V2, but very much making it a commonplace sneaker. And they're saying with this with this release, with this, you know, this amount of units and just uh, sneakers in general, they're saying, OK, this is the V2 is for the masses. There's not going to be hype around that. But then they're going to shift hype to other models. I don't know. I think it waters down the brand entirely, um, especially when you start seeing too many models, you know, multiple models of the Yeezy just barely above retail or at retail. That shit is crazy to me. And I think this this campaign is kind of in response to that, um, to drive up hype for it. But uh, on that same note, Kim Kardashian was recently spotted in L.A., wearing uh what is suspected to be Yeezy season seven clothing likely for another uh ad campaign in the near future so Kanye West might be up to something again with his Yeezy clothing line for his past season seven tees uh West and had his wife Kim Kardashian stroll around certain places wearing his new his new creations while paparazzi snapped photos basically Ye turned tabloid photographers to his own fashion shooters and the streets to his own catwalk, which in that concept, you know, in those terms, it's brilliant. But um, he practically did the same thing for Yeezy Season 6, which has garnered the label a more global presence alongside more followers and fans. Now what could be some new Yeezy clothing for either Season 7 or Season 8, it looks like Mr. West is at it once more. According to a few Kim Kardashian fan accounts on social media, it seems that Kim has been wearing some never-before-seen Yeezy clothing while running around LA in the past few days. Again, these outfits could possibly these outfits could possibly be for season seven or season eight. Cause mind you, she was uh, not long ago. I think it was like two months ago, seen in Tokyo wearing never-before-seen Yeezy. So they could be two seasons ahead on this shit. Um, but it seems that Kim, Kim has been wearing some never-before-seen easy clothing while running around L.A. in the past few days. Again, these outfits could possibly be from Season 7 or Season 8. Some, please, some pieces include Calabasas-branded pieces, orange cargo pants, new boots, metallic bodysuits, puffer jackets, and more. Um, so if you guys want to... I mean, I'm sure you could see this anywhere on social media. The, the main um, account that I'm seeing here, though, is Kimberly kiki west on instagram um so i don't know man i think it's obviously that same brilliance of the previous campaign um but i i initially once even once i saw kim in tokyo you know i was like okay this is growing 
not not necessarily stale, but it, it's getting a bit redundant. I don't know if you want to do it again immediately after the previous season that you just did it on. But, um, you know, Ye has made mention of it in the past. And I believe I've even made mention of him making mention of it in the past on this podcast. But um, he mentioned that he very much sees Kim as the world's biggest billboard. And I think that's very, uh, it's very on point. It's very factual because everyone's looking at her for best or for worse, you know, whether it be to, I think most often to criticize her, but um, their eyes are looking regardless. And what's amazing to me is that they keep rolling out these campaigns and whatnot. And yet on social media, the overall vibe that I get towards Ye's clothing is that it's mostly trash. You know, the, the mainline clothing is mostly trash, but yet people buy up the Wyoming merch that seems like it was just photoshopped together that night, which it likely was. I mean, let's be honest, if the fucking photo, uh, the cover of the album was taken on the way to the listening party, I don't think the merch, you know, being photoshopped that night is that much of a stretch. But people buy that shit up, man. And with a month wait, I mean, as I said before, I'm guilty of buying the Kids See Ghost hoodie. Um... And that is some pretty bland merch, but I love the photo. So I kind of had my reasoning, I guess. But um, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting times. I think uh, the Yeezy line must be doing some sort of numbers, you know, for them to keep pushing it out like this. And, uh, you know, for Kim to be rocking it like this. And uh, I don't know. We'll see, man. Uh, I think still the campaign is brilliant. You know, when you're married to this woman, I mean, she's a superpower in social media. So, um, yeah, more power to him. I think it's pretty dope. The super, the super moon campaign is pretty questionable, but uh, still smart. You know, it's still, I, I mean, I saw it all over my timeline. And that in its own right is like, you know, what it was meant to do. So um, I, I wanted the sneaker initially, though. I wonder if it's changing people's minds at all. Because mind you, these photos... They were um, quite a range of photos. So mind you, they were there were some naked bitches, but also there were um, just random, like there were white dudes, some middle-aged black dudes, you know, young, like white kids. I don't know, just a, a variety of people. It very much felt like a campaign that was like all of the people that wear Yeezy, like just showed the range of people who wear Yeezy. Um but I don't know, man. Um, there were some interesting photos as well. You know, very scandalous photos. A lot of naked photos of women. And um, which in those, in that sense, it was pretty dope. But um, uh, very unexpected. Kind of a surprise on the timeline. I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I wanted the the supermoon before. But I oddly want it more now. Um, no, but that's the thing. I don't get how people think that way. If it does really make people want it. Of course, it increases awareness, which I guess in turn could, you know, is going to be a net positive. But uh, yeah, kudos to Ye doing his thing still. Um, Next, we have Elon Musk recently releasing his boring company, Flamethrowers. And uh, not surprisingly, people are already misusing them. So uh, Elon Musk's boring company got its $500 flamethrowers into the hands of consumers for the first time on Saturday. Uh, the company sold 20,000 of the machines, but the first thousand were distributed at an event at the Boring Company's headquarters in Los Angeles. People formed long lines to get to get hold of their very own flamethrower. 
Musk was happily tweeting away from the so-called pickup party. Uh, he tweeted, Flamethrower, obviously the best way to light your fireplace slash barbecue. Uh, no more need to use a dainty match to ignite. If no wood, just drop your flamethrower in the fireplace. It will generate it. It will generate way more warmth than a quaint pile of logs. Um, the name of the fire spearing machine is not a flamethrower, owing to shipping and customs regulations that restrict the transport of anything termed a flamethrower. So Elon tweets almost forgot due to recent regulatory slash customs rules enacted to inhibit transportation of anything called a flamethrower we have renamed our product quote-unquote not a flamethrower very subtle uh musk tweeted what he claimed was the terms and conditions for the machines some of which were presented in the style of the u.s children's author dr seuss those terms read i will not use this in the house i will not point this at my spouse i will not use this in an unsafe way the best use is creme brulee that exhausts our rhyming ability. The uh, terms go on to say, I understand the boring company isn't responsible for anything I do, no matter how genius or stupid. This includes harming others, setting things on fire, burning things to the ground. Um, <laughs> God damn it, this shit, is, this shit is hilarious. So, last month, Digital Trends walked through what it called the ridiculous terms and conditions for the not a flamethrower. The YouTuber Justine Ezerick unboxed, and she is um, a high-profile YouTuber, mainly known by, by the name iJustine. Um, she she reviews a lot of Apple products. is like is at like every Apple event. Um, yeah, and that's just kind of her thing. But so Justine Ezerick unboxed the device in a video over the weekend, in which the tech reviewer Farouk Korkmaz commented. Read the terms. They're not joking, even though it's written in a joking manner. Um, let's see. So there were they have a couple of photos of um, people cooking a steak with the flamethrower, um, people firing uh, creme brulee with the flamethrower, as uh, hinted at by the terms and conditions, um, or recommended rather. Uh, so not all of the images depicted safe or controlled use of the machines, however. Um, the, this included Ezeric, a vlogger whose YouTube channel has over 4 million subscribers. She accidentally burned a section of her garden's artificial grass when making a cooking video. Um, there's a guy lighting a joint with his flamethrower, a fat-ass joint, um, while another man spray sprayed flames dangerously close to his feet. Um... Some have criticized the sale of the not a flamethrower to the general public, viewing it as a major safety risk. So Marshall Brent Brent Naw on Twitter says, What possible reason is there for this product to be made available to consumers? For products such as this to be available to purchase is wrong and very well unsafe. Someone will get hurt. Um and then Keaton Joshi on Twitter says one good way to test whether a public figure is sincere about climate action is whether they sell flamethrowers to private citizens during California's fire season. So, uh, a lot of criticism there. With 20,000 flamethrowers soon to be in circulation, expect more flamethrowing displays on social media. So, mind you, this is only with a 1,000 out there. There is going to be 20,000 in the relatively near future. Um... 
I wanted to talk about this because I'm I'm very much of two minds. I'm firstly amazed that this is even possible to be released to the public like this. You know, a flamethrower or quote unquote not a flamethrower. Um, that shit blows my mind, and uh, I think it's a testament to Elon and just his his brilliance in marketing, I guess, and and seeing that products will be made available to the public. Um, but then also, you have to imagine, I mean, obviously, and that's the thing, people can criticize all they want, but with the terms and conditions, however tongue-in-cheek they are, um, the safety net is in place for the company. And so Elon really has nothing to worry about as far as legal, you know, legal goes, but um, it does seem like a disaster to put out 20,000 flamethrowers. It's only a matter of time, I feel, until we have negative publicity on this. And maybe Elon doesn't care because, like I said, he's covered in the terms and conditions. But uh, I don't know, man. Uh, fucking insane that this is even available. But, um, yeah, I look forward to likely reading more stories about this in the future. Um, if you got one, good on you. That shit is dope. Uh, $500, it would be dope to just have to put up in your house. Uh, random as shit, for sure. A flamethrower. But, um, I don't know, man. It's just insane. So, we'll probably be touching on this in further, in coming episodes. Um... I hate to say, for better or for worse, we'll probably be getting back to this. Um, now on to the next story being Eminem facing criticism for what concertgoers believe to be gunshot audio used during his recent uh, festival set. So Eminem is drawing criticism from festival goers who were frightened and upset over the rapper's use of realistic gunshot sound effects during his headlining performance at Bonnaroo on Saturday night. Um, many fans screamed and ducked as a series of loud blasts rang through the crowd during Eminem's performance of Kill You from his 2000 album, The Marshall Mathers LP. Uh, the nervous reaction arrives at a time when concertgoers are on edge following the deadly mass shooting at last year's Route 91 Country Music Festival in Las Vegas. Crazy to think that was just a year ago. Um, social media star Andrea Russett was one of many, many in attendance at Manchester, Tennessee Festival who was traumatized by the realistic gunshot sounds during Eminem's set. I hate to be the one to say it, she says, I hate to be the one to say it, but being someone who suffers from very mild PTSD, I was extremely, it was extremely irresponsible and distasteful to end songs with the gun, with the shotgun sound effect, um, Russet tweeted. I have grown up loving Eminem and his music, but I was extremely triggered to the point of tears. Uh, she continued to hear a gunshot sound effect and see the entire crowd drop to the floor out of instinct is not funny, cute, or amusing. This is the sad reality that we are living. Uh, this is not funny or even something to be joked about. Some fans came to Eminem's defense, noting that the hip-hop star has used the gunshot sound effects during past performances. Eminem has ended Kill You With The Gunshot Effects for at least six years now, and this is the first time someone ever complains, one Twitter user pointed out. Eminem has not commented on the um, on the Bonnaroo incident uh, at this time. 
but I do believe uh, someone from his management reached out. Yeah, so a spokesperson from his camp uh, made a statement to CNN reading, contrary to inaccurate reports, Eminem does not use gunshot sound effects during his live show. The effect used by Eminem in his set at Bonnaroo was a pyrotechnic concussion which creates a loud boom. He has used this effect, as have hundreds of other artists, in his live show for over 10 years, including previous U.S. festival dates in 2018 without complaint. So, I don't know, this is uh, probably the most interesting story on the podcast today to me because it, it's, uh, I, I try and view it as like, initially I thought it was just outrage, right? I thought it was outrage culture and I thought, okay, well, you know, people just need something to bitch about. But um, when you see the video and you see um, everyone ducking at the boom um, that is tragic. It's tragic that we, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation that we live in a time where that's something you need to be conscious of at a festival, but it's real. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I try and look at it from the perspective of the worst case scenario in this case being someone who either was there, you know, in Vegas for that shooting and made it out alive or that had a loved one at the festival that either, you know, made it out alive or didn't, you know, and so it's understandable in that context why you would have, you know, this, this mild PTSD, which I very well think it is, um, and, and, but then you should also feel safe enough to go to concerts, you know, I don't think it's like you should just not go to festivals or concerts anymore, um, it's it's just tragic times that we're in, man, I guess. I don't know. I mean, because there's a misunderstanding. Obviously, it's just pyrotechnics. Um, but there's a very real reaction when you see the whole crowd duck. And uh, that in itself is very sad that, you know, that we're alive in this time where you have to be mindful of your surroundings. And I guess now, just going forward, that is something. You have to exercise this very precautious nature whenever you go to a public event like that that's just the nature the reality of today so you know checking where you are in comparison to the exits and um just yeah I guess the exit routes in general um it's it's hard to say because there's it gets even more complicated because it's not as simple as it's gunshot audio and then who's to say that that's even bad for a rap concert? It's very typical. You know, I, I think immediately of 50 Cent's music. A lot of his music has gunshots, uh, whether it be an automatic, a pistol, you know, just because that is the life he grew up in. It creates an audio experience. Um, and so even if it were an audio gunshot, I, I wonder if he would be in the wrong. I guess I don't... so. My interpretation of it right now, Eminem isn't in the wrong. Um, he's he's just performing. You know, even his pyrotechnics team and, and all that, I don't think they're in the wrong on this. I think it's just a uh, an unfortunate situation where going forward, if I were in Eminem's camp, or I think we'll, we'll probably see him... Well, initially, I would think we would see him release a statement, but given the statement that I just read... 
um, from a spokesperson from his camp. I really think that was all that was necessary. Um, but I would not be surprised if going forward you just exercise that precaution as an artist and realize these are tragic times that we're in. The people that were in the crowd, I don't think we're over-exaggerating. I don't think they were, you know, just being outraged for the sake of being outraged. It's a very real reaction, and so it's sad, but I think it is just kind of, I don't know. I, I think it is well-mannered to cater to that and remove any sort of pyrotechnics that that simulate, I guess, a gunshot. Um, I don't know, because that may also be seen as pandering. But because uh, a performance is a performance, it should not be edited. You know, an artist should not be edited. I'm very much of that mindset. But uh, I just think it's courteous going forward and, and just smart all around to remove that, given the tragedy in the U.S. And just to also give concert goers a peace of mind so that they can enjoy themselves that much more at your concerts um, and just really utilize and, and just really give the focus to what they're there for being the music that, you know, just uh, spreads positivity and creates a moment for everyone. So, uh, yeah, but what do you guys think? It's a, it's a bizarre story, an odd story, but I understand both sides. And I think that's where I'm at right now is that um, no one's in the wrong, but going forward, it would probably be wise and uh, courteous to remove that from the set. And, and it would, I mean, it, it seems super fucking shallow, but it would also save him money on pyrotechnics, right? Like, okay, you guys don't want that shit. I'm, you're, you're saving me money. Um, super shallow way to look at it. But, you know, I don't know. Um, just an odd situation, man, all around. But all right, sticking in music news, we have um, Lil Wayne attempting to trademark New Dirty Bastard. So after coming out victorious in his longstanding legal battle against Birdman and Cash Money last week, Lil Wayne appears to be mapping out his next moves as he's reportedly filed paperwork for the registered trademark of New Dirty Bastard. According to reports, Lil Wayne is attempting to trademark the name for himself in other in other in other for upcoming use in music productions and other entertainment ventures. Of course, there's no, there's one potential issue here, the striking similarities to the original ODB himself, Old Dirty Bastard. The late Wu-Tang rapper's family is reportedly open to the idea, but only on certain conditions. ODB's daughter, Tanika Jones, and her family lawyer explained in the report that they were left in the dark regarding Lil Wayne filing for the trademark. However, said they were open to negotiations before granting full permission for him to register for the trademark. Um, I guess that's exciting. New Dirty Bastard. Um, it, the aesthetic, when I think of ODB, I actually do think, you know, New Dirty Bastard kind of fits Wayne where he is right now. It's, you know, lyrically, he's very playful. He's very... Um, yeah, I guess in one word, that's how I would sum it up. Just very playful. And of course, that's in stark contrast to what he used to do. It was very visceral, lyrical, street raps. And, and just his double entendres and everything used to blow my mind. But, um, you know, this is just the maturity of an artist. They're not going to make the same shit that you fell in love with forever. And that's the unfortunate contradiction that we are, we're constantly facing. 
we don't we we often treat these people as they make this music not realizing that it comes from a real place inside them so when they grow older them as a person changes therefore of course their music is going to change and you should honestly be worried i guess if it stays the same because you know you're telling me that it's likely a facade like you're just catering to me now you're catering to what i enjoyed in your past music and then in turn you're not staying true to yourself the music comes off as inorganic and then that's when we often ditch our legends and they're trying to make the best of a situation give us the fans what we want or what they think we want and uh and those are the situations where i don't even think we know what we want let these people mature let them make you know express themselves as as purely as possible um so with that being said i think new dirty bastard fits wayne and i'm interested to see where he goes with it but um with that being said now we are going to get into the double xl freshman list uh 2018 freshman list so double xl has just announced their annual freshman class for 2018 and after much debate amongst the people here's the official list this year's cover stars include Blockboy jb ski mask the slump god lil pump smoke perp jid uh, Steph Don, uh, YBN Namir, Wi-Fi's Funeral, Wi- what is it, Wi-Fi, yeah, Wi-Fi's Funeral, and Trippy Red. In addition, Little Skies won the fan-voted 10th spot, but refused, but refused to attend the shoot and acknowledge the award after originally accepting the, the offer according to XXL. Uh, check out the official cover above and stay tuned for additional rollout that includes ciphers, interviews, and more. I'm I'm extremely excited for the ciphers. Um, well, let me let me be clear. I'm excited for JID. I think this is a huge look for him. Now, mind you, I don't dislike everyone else on the roster this year, but um. I think the cypher caters to J.I.D. Most of these rappers, with all due respect, they are very... Their their music, their art is very vibe-focused. Therefore, it's not very lyrical. It doesn't, I don't think, fit well into a cypher. Maybe they can find a flow, a unique flow or a rhythm that captures your ear. But ultimately, it won't be saying much. You know, because that's not what they do, really. Um... On that same note, I'm also pretty excited for Trippy Red to see what he does in the cypher. I mean, he's very melodic, you know, very, uh, you know, a lot more. He, he sings a lot more than he raps. Um, and, and I'm a fan of some of his singing and some of his songs. So I look forward to that. But I think this is a huge look for J.I.D. And um, I don't know. I think all around... For sure, I think the We Got Clout shit on the cover is is pretty corny. Because the cover, if you guys haven't seen it, reads 2018 freshman class, We Got Clout. Um, I think, to me, that at least, that's kind of corny. But um, I do also think it's interesting that uh, that Lil Skies turned down the invitation. Um, respectable, but interesting. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like most... So I've heard of probably most of these rappers. I think the only ones I'm really unfamiliar with is uh, Steph London, YBN, Namir, and uh, Wi-Fi's Funeral. 
I know a little bit of Smoke Perp. Um, Block Boy JB, I know a song or two. Ski Mask, The Slump God, obviously Lil Pump. Um, so I think when you're judging by, okay, are these going to be the rising stars that we're going to see over the course of the next year and years to come, hopefully, um, I think they kind of, this is actually a cover that they, they're pretty, I think they got pretty accurate. I think these people do have promising careers ahead of them. Um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting, man. I'm, I'm extremely excited to see the ciphers. You guys let me know what you think. Was anyone left off? Um, I think we'll definitely... I mean, there's always speculation. I think next year we'll definitely see uh, Juice World. I think it was a bit early for him this year. Um, and yeah, man, I don't know. I look forward to a couple of artists. Um, this is a big look. And regardless, we constantly... I feel like we constantly debate how relevant the double XL freshman list is anymore because what it's fucking going on 11 years this is the 11th annual cover and that's amazing that really is pretty amazing for a fucking magazine dude i don't even know if they sell physical copies of this uh if they do kudos to them because that's amazing in its fucking self but um we constantly i feel like question its relevance and time and time again it proves that it's relevant because we always talk about it and therefore making it somewhat relevant and um does it directly bring credibility to these artists i don't think so but there are always people that you know most people are unaware of on the cover that they're introduced to on the cover and i think in turn people do check out their music just because of the cover so um shouts out to all the freshmen i think it's dope for them regardless um but yeah, looking forward to the ciphers. And as far as Double XL goes, I think they really got themselves uh, a home run with this cover in regard to its purpose. So with that being said, let's get into a bit of UFC news. So UFC fighter Andrea Lee uh, is facing, I guess, scrutiny for her husband's Nazi tattoo. So on the hills of a successful UFC debut, Andrea Lee suddenly finds herself making waves for the wrong reasons. Over the weekend, Lee shares a photo on social media of herself and husband Donnie Aaron uh, enjoying time together at a lake. The photo appeared innocent, innocent enough until people pointed out that Aaron, who is also Lee's coach, has a swastika tattoo on his left arm. That led people to dig up another photo showing the Nazi SS bolt symbol tattooed on Aaron's right arm. Um, not surprisingly, accusations of racism were thrown at Lee and Aaron on social media. In a since-deleted tweet in response to the outcry, Lee said she and her husband aren't racist and called people offended by his tattoos sensitive-ass mofos. So that, that tweet that has since been deleted reads... Neither one of us are racist. We have an Asian and a black guy that live with us. Uh, for sure, making them sound like tokens. But, uh, oh my gosh, guys, it's a tattoo he got when he was in prison. Get over yourselves. He covers them up all the time. And we happen to have a lake day, and it makes an appearance. Sensitive-ass mofos. This morning, Aaron issued a lengthy public apology on Twitter to anyone offended by his tattoos. He confirmed that they were done during his time in prison and said he's now a changed man. He also made a point to defend Lee's character. It's with certainty that I, that I can promise you that she didn't marry a racist, Aaron wrote. 
When Andre and I met, I had already began to reinvent my life, and if she'd seen any racist behavior or attitude, she'd have never given me the time of day. Please don't let your hatred over me bleed into hatred toward Andrea. If you have if you have to hate someone, then please hate me. She doesn't deserve it. She is genuinely the best person I know. So, and then there's a lengthier statement that he uh that he tweeted out or just uh commented, but um so Lee, a former LFA women's flyweight champion, made her UFC debut this past month at UFC Fight Night 129 in in Santiago, Chile, where she defeated Veronica Macedo by unanimous decision to earn a fight of the night bonus. So very talented fighter, if you guys are unaware, Andrea Lee, newly signed to the UFC, um, and a very impressive performance. If you get the chance I, and, and you're into MMA, I recommend you check it out. But um, I don't know, man. This was just interesting to me because her facing backlash for it for her husband's tattoos and obviously there's going to be speculation okay he's a racist you have to know about that racist behavior therefore you're guilty as well right just by just by proxy um but i don't know um i think there there could be the argument made that he should have covered them up or if he truly is a changed man they should be you know, either removed or covered up, the easier solution obviously being covered up, but, um, I don't know, I mean, going forward, I guess just wear a long sleeve, you know, just to bury the whole thing, and if you truly don't want your girl to face, you know, uh, this backlash for your doing, then, then at least just do that, but, um, it's interesting, man, to, because tattoos are this weird thing where you're putting a symbol on your skin and just judging by that symbol, people can tell your character, or they assume they can tell your character. So I guess just be mindful about the tattoos that you get, because you may evolve as a person, and whatever that represents, you've really got to own it in in the public eye. And then the public eye is also weird. Like, don't get me wrong, the swastika is not something to be welcomed, but it's it's weird how we get so so demonizing over certain symbols you know um but i don't know man it's ultimately it's just unnecessary you know the he should have just had it covered up anyways at least with a long sleeve shirt knowing that well i don't know because then it was just an unexpected lake photo so damn man i don't know i mean who's to say I, my interpretation of it, I'm not quick to judge. If he says he's a different man, maybe I'm just gullible, but I kind of just say, okay, well, you know, going forward, just cover them up and we're good. But then also, who are we to tell someone to cover up a symbol on them, on themselves? I don't know. It's something I'm conflicted by. That's why I wanted to bring it up. A lot of people, it seems very cut and clear, like you are a racist because you didn't have them covered up going forward cover them up but we're looking at you you know differently now and that seems somewhat reasonable but I'm just trying to delve deeper into it and just uh really explore yeah just why we are so so unforgiving about certain symbols and um I don't know I mean yeah going forward the obvious choice the obvious decision and way to go about it is cover it up but, um, I don't know. How do you guys feel? 
is it is it that offensive um and and do we have the right to judge someone over you know something they didn't even intend to be seen but maybe other people would speculate that it's a a good thing that we saw it because it shows their true character um i don't know man i'm conflicted uh a lot of people seem very cut and dry on it so you guys let me know what you feel on it if you feel anything at all um yeah simple solution going forward cover it up uh with a long sleeve but i'm gonna continue thinking on it because it's interesting to me um so with that being said staying in the ufc news uh a huge congratulations and a history making congratulations is due to ronda rousey so the ufc has revealed that former champion ronda rousey will be the first woman to be inducted into its hall of fame Rousey will be Rousey will receive the honor as a result of her trailblazing work to help establish the company's women's division. Uh, the news was announced this past Saturday at UFC 225 in Chicago, and the Hall of Fame ceremony will take place at the forthcoming Palms Casino Resort event. Um, she commented, "This is an immense honor to not only take part in bringing women to the forefront of the sport, but now the UFC Hall of Fame." Rousey shares via a official statement, may I be the first of many. Uh, there would be no women in the UFC without Ronda Rousey. UFC President Dana White reveals via press statement, uh, Ronda is an absolute pioneer who helped me and a lot of other people look at women in combat sports differently. And just such a symbol of, I guess, strength to women, you know, because it, it was seen widely as too brutal of a sport um, just a manly, I guess, quote unquote sport. And for Rhonda to come in and not be bashful about her entrance, you know, be breaking arms fucking left and right damn near. And, uh, just to kick ass the way that she did, it was such a fucking statement. And I think I cover this and, and talk about this one to congratulate her. Cause I think it's a phenomenal achievement. And, uh, and it's it's so bizarre that we're in 2018, but yet we're celebrating this woman for barely getting into the UFC as if we never saw them equal to men previously. You know, in that regard, it is weird not to take anything from her. Just thinking on it in that aspect, it, it is a bit weird. Um, but yeah, she comes in, takes the world by storm. Um, what, what Dana famously said would never happen, you know, with the women's division in the UFC, she not only makes it happen, but makes a fucking statement with her presence. And, uh, in a short amount of time too, man, that, that should also be observed and commended. Um, Rhonda is no doubt a pioneer that that's obvious, but, uh, what, what I wanted to really touch on is how tragic it is that, the way that she, you know, the way that we go out is often how we're remembered. And seeing this over the past weekend, watching the, uh, um, what is it? Uh, Yoel Romero and Robert Whitaker fight. And when they were, had the segment, uh, announcing her, her, uh, presence in the hall of fame or her soon to be presence in the hall of fame. Um, I was just reminded in a weird way that, you know, just of how much of a badass she was because what resonated was the way that she went out, you know, and that's shallow on my part. I, I see that, but it, I think it is also very, 
very present in the public's memory. Just, you know, being defeated by Holly Holm with that horrible head kick or awesome head kick. I mean, awesome for the sport to see someone, you know, such a such a dominant opponent defeated that way. But also very tragic because Ronda took it very hard. Um, and that is on a champion, I think, to rebound the way a champion would. But it, it's going to be difficult regardless. And it, in this case, it was very difficult on Ronda. She probably took it the most difficult she could. And then what doesn't help, she, you know, she's away for some time, comes back, and is absolutely beaten around the ring and dominated by Amanda Nunez. And uh, it's just tragic because that's really what resonates with me. And I could only imagine that there have to be other people that feel that way. Like, damn, she went out that way and now she's in the WWE and just really not gracious about it at all. Um, But it is embarrassing. And I think it's a level of embarrassment that obviously I don't understand. And I think the mass majority don't understand. Um, But I so I guess I covered this just to speculate on that and just kind of explore those feelings. But also to say that let's not forget the badass that Ronda Rousey is and just what she brought to not only the sport of MMA, um, but to women in general. This real statement of strength and power and dominance and badassery, you know. So congratulations to Ronda Rousey. I look forward to watching the ceremony. I mean, typically those ceremonies are boring as shit, but I think this one will be obviously historic, and for that reason, I'll be watching. I'm very excited and uh, and proud of her. So, so with that being said, I wanted to end this podcast on a, a bit of a ramble, if you will, on um, some of the shit I've been seeing in fashion. So, firstly, let's talk about ASAP Rocky and his recent... Uh, he, so if you guys know, you, you know, if you're into sneaker culture, you likely know he has a, uh, a signature sneaker with Under Armour coming out, which remember like a year ago or so, the, just the thought of that blew my mind all over this fucking podcast. Well, yeah, now we're seeing it and it's, and it's happening. Um, but it draws striking resemblances to an Osiris sneaker. So if you guys aren't, what, uh, I would say 20 at least, you might not know about Osiris or if you're not into skate culture because that's what it is. But there was a trend back when, I don't know, fuck, I had to be maybe between, somewhere between 10 and 15. Um, and there there was a trend of wearing puffy-ass skate sneakers. So uh, Etnies, Osiris um were just some of them and uh and so this this sneaker looks fucking exactly like a osiris sneaker a very specific model called the d3 so let me read off to you about the upcoming asap sneaker and then we'll get into it a bit more so a chunky all-black skate inspired upper featuring a mixed material construction an osiris d3 inspired lacing cage um, and branding on the tongue and an extra chunky black midsole. 
uh, editor's notes. After months of speculation, in May, ASAP Rocky finally unveiled his first signature sneaker in collaboration with Under Armour, uh, which is so bizarre to even fucking say. Um, the rapper was previously seen rocking the sneaker on his Instagram, and as speculated, the model featured various design cues inspired heavily by the Osiris D3. Um, yeah, heavily is fucking right. Um, on June 10th, Rocky teased yet another colorway of his mysterious signature sneaker. The specific pair features a predominantly black upper with what looks like either a white or reflective lace cage and green and yellow accents on the midsole. You can reference his uh, Instagram page if you guys need to see it. But um, ASAP mob member ASAP Lou had previously teased yet another look for the silhouette via an Instagram story. Um, you can reference Sneaker News also has photos on May 25th, ASAP Ant took to Instagram to show off a pair of the sneaker firsthand, um, from the, from the shoes themselves to the packaging. So if you guys want to see that ASAP Ant would be the page on Instagram. Um, the sneaker, which is yet to be named, was unveiled during Rocky's live performance art piece, Lab Rat. This is the first time fans have been able to get a confirmed look at the silhouette for a closer look watch the video um there's a video on youtube if you guys haven't seen it or you would like to just look up lab rat uh the video is titled lab rat by asap rocky um and it's his art performance or whatever um so the asap frontman previously stepped out in a black and white iteration of the same model posing on the streets of new york with jared leto the model looks to be inspired by the oversized, exaggerated silhouette of 90s skate shoes. That said, the latest image suggests it also takes cues from classic basketball sneaker design. Um, so there's no release information yet. I would imagine it's to come uh, in the you know relatively soon because he's been teasing it quite a bit. Um, what's I, I fuck with the 90s skate shoe aesthetic. I think it blends in seamlessly with today's fascination with both you know bulkier sneakers quote-unquote dad sneakers uh quote-unquote ugly sneakers you know so on and so forth um but i don't know man it seems so blatant if you guys want to and you're interested please look up the photos of asap rocky sneaker and then look up the osiris d3 it's it's a striking resemblance like and, and i'm using that I'm i'm trying to be you know, uh, lenient with it for the sake of ASAP Rocky. It looks like a fucking copy. I don't know how he's going to sell this and not, you know, there not be legal repercussions. Um, but it's just bizarre, man. And, and I wanted to say that to kind of introduce the conversation of, um, I don't know if it's necessarily, if copying something is necessarily shunned in fashion anymore. Cause we've seen, well, at least in, in current fashion, let's say, because we've seen, let's see, we've seen the uh, Balenciaga Triple S, right? That made waves. It's such an extreme silhouette. It makes sense. It's going to get headlines. Um, and then with its $850 price tag, obviously, it's going to be something that's either to be desired or to be mocked because of its aesthetic in comparison to its price. Um, and to think that it's reselling. An $850 sneaker reselling. That's fucking crazy. And that's a statement in itself. 
whether you think the people buying it are foolish or whatever it's it's a statement right um the the silhouette is desired regardless that that kind of proves it um but i don't know man because we've seen that silhouette of the balenciaga triple s damn near copied carbon copied by many retailers a lot of fast fashion i mean that's what fast fashion brands do is they take what's hot in the moment and are really not bashful about copying it and then offering it you know damn near copying exactly what it is and then offering it for a lower price or most would say a reasonable price um so it serves its purpose in that regard but it's weird because you know there are many takes on the triple s and you the influence is obvious um, across the board. And so that's what had me thinking, you know, maybe it, it had me giving lean. I was just more, I was thinking more leniently in regards to, um, ASAP sneaker in, in comparison to the Osiris D3, because it's like, I don't know, taking cues and design inspiration is seeming to be like, like blatant inspiration is seeming to be more tolerable. So, um, but I don't know. I mean, ASAP Rocky to be so into fashion and on the cutting edge the way that he is, I would have liked to see something more original. Um, this is only the first sneaker, so let me hold off on really going in on it. it you know, we we may see other sneakers. Hopefully, um, I'm getting the the multiple colorways of the same sneaker over and over are getting kind of old so i hope he really does have another model a follow-up model in the works but with it being a new collaboration and a unique collaboration in that um we're likely going to it's, it's going to be some time you know at least a year until we even see leaked photos of any other model so um you know they're likely going to sell this see how it does i, I would guarantee almost that it's going to sell through um but with that being said, that that's kind of where I leave the ASAP Rocky sneaker. And, you know, for now, um, I do look forward to its release. I'm anxious to see its retail price, um, if it will be reasonable or if he's going to go extremely, you know, high fashion, I guess. Because high fashion nowadays seems to be determined by a graphic tee and a high price tag. You know, the, the limits are very uh, blurry right now, I guess you could say. Um so with that being said, what what blew my mind this week and still staying with fashion and sneakers is if you guys haven't seen it, which I doubt most of you have, and that's probably for the best, but the Mason Margiela 22 Fusion Low. If you get a chance and you want to do it to yourself, go ahead and Google that. I'll give you a second. This sneaker is fucking, I mean... You know, the, the ugly sneaker trend, uh, there, there are a lot of trends right now, right? The, the bulky sneaker trend, the ugly sneaker trend, the dad sneaker trend, and there's kind of an amalgamation of the bunch. Uh, that's where I would say this sneaker lies. But for it to be over $1,000 retail, it's from a major fashion house. So I get it in that regard. But what is fucking crazy is if you guys have seen this sneaker, it looks like it's it was on the side of a highway. This shit is beat up, and I mean beat up, 
for the lacing, it looks like it's it's strung together by bungee cord or a bungee cord type system. Um, and and get this, most motherfuckers they're critical of Jordan brand for glue spots, right? Just just when you get a Jordan for retail, you want it to be in top condition when you get it out of the box. You don't want sloppy uh, manufacturing. You don't want to see glue spots here and there, you know, that kind of fuck with the aesthetic of the shoe. People are very critical of that. Well, these motherfuckers said, we're giving you glue globs, just straight up globs of glue on your sneakers. It looks like someone took a hot glue gun and just let that bitch run. And <laughs> I don't know, man, this shit is hilarious. It's kind of, and, and fashion in general is in a weird place. It's, it's fascinating to me. I get the criticism. I really do. I get where people, you know, what is entertaining to me, a lot of people just think is stupidity and is, I don't know, just foolish, I guess. Um, cause for a thousand dollar sneaker to look beat up already, which the triple S, you know, is damn near a thousand dollars. And if you get it for resale, you probably will be paying a thousand dollars and that the sole of it looks worn in and it has three soles and it's like a fucking, it's like a, a, what do you call it? A platform shoe, you know, with all those soles. Um, so there are plenty of places to criticize that sneaker and trust me, it has been criticized, but this one god damn man and and it also is probably made for this purpose for it to be talked about because the publicity is all a net positive now right i mean um so i i don't know uh fashion is again it's in a very interesting place i'm entertained by it it's a commentary i guess on this one really seems to be like pushing the limits like how far are you guys willing to go for this trend you know, and, and people will talk shit on it until they see someone wearing it. And then once they see someone wearing it, that person will be brave or like a leader in fashion for pulling it off. And that just seems to be the cycle. That's that's the way it goes. Some people will cri- criticize it forever because that's not their thing. Like, for example, the Jordan crowd will often not fuck with the extremely high fashion shit that does have glue globs on it you know, looks beat up from the jump, um, you know, those two demographics don't often mix, but, uh, I don't know, man, fashion, I say fashion in general is interesting because you have Balenciaga continuously doing what seems like trollish shit, um, a lot like, uh, Vetements or, or Vetements, if you will, um, they do a lot of stuff that is like, it's very blatantly an art piece. And I guess that's where the difference lies. Because, you know, obviously we are born into the world and see clothing as just a, a necessity, right? So it's not necessarily for to, I mean, it is mildly to express yourself. But most people don't go as far as like the color of their shirt you know, or of their favorite band on their shirt, or, or, you know, something of that nature, a very simple statement. But then you have the major fashion houses and just fashion in general, that is kind of a commentary on society often. And it is also just a very blatantly an expression and an art piece. 
And so Balenciaga recently released a shirt that has another shirt sewn on the front of it. And I believe this retails for $1,500. Um, and initially, and to most people, I think it seems idiotic, right? Um, but it's a statement piece, clearly. And it's their commentary. They're trying to say something. I, I haven't fully digested it. I don't know what they're trying to say yet. Um, but I know that it exists. And that, that is enough for me to wonder and uh, and I think it's just blatantly an art piece, you know, for people to criticize mainly. Maybe they are searching in a way for that criticism. I don't know, but it is blatant that it is uh, an art piece to the people who it's for. And it's fascinating, though, because people will talk shit on it, obviously. Um, it, it is a button-up sewed onto a button-up. And so literally, you wear the front button-up, you have a shirt hanging off your back, you wear the back button up, you have a shirt hanging off the front of your shirt. So, I don't know, man. Fashion is just, I say all this to say, it's in an interesting place. It's very exciting to me. Interesting interesting in what fashion houses and designers create and also interesting in how people receive that creation and, uh, and, and in a myriad of ways, whether it's criticism, you know, the harshest of criticism or the the most praise you know it, it's all interesting to me so um yeah i guess that's where i end that that uh rambling session if you will um and again i hope you guys enjoy it i want to end this podcast with um just kind of like a little factoid or some interesting i don't i don't know what you would call it an interesting ass article we'll call it that um thought-provoking, if you will. So this article asked the question, uh, why does time seem to go so fast these days? So back before modern technology, people laboriously washed clothes by hand and got places no faster than their horses could carry them. Things objectively took more time than, uh, things objectively took more time than, Yet modern life is what makes it feel like time is a precious resource. Why is that? When we objectively have more leisure time than ever before, we're under such pressure from the clock. History and science offer a three-part answer. Awareness, insecurity, and progress. So recently on Quartz, recently on Quartz philosopher Andrew Taggart took a deep dive into why we all feel like we never have enough time. The advent of capitalism and the rise of hourly wage labor, he states, is the first culprit. If your boss is constantly watching the clock, you'll learn to watch it too. And the more acutely aware you are of, t- the more acutely aware of the time you are, the faster it seems to go. But the, and I don't know if that's true for me. I mean, I know when I would watch the clock, it would just drag by, and I think that stands true for most people that I've talked to. But, um, I'll continue on. But the insecurity of workers in the modern economy isn't helping either. Not only do we watch the clock because we have to show up to our next meeting on time, but we also watch the clock because thanks to the threat of a human or robot replacement, we need to constantly monitor our productivity. That makes sense. Um, There's a a Red Queen-like quality to this clock watching. Business psychologist Toby Crabb has pointed out, 
Like the character remarks to Alice in Through the Looking Glass, it takes all the running you can, you can do to keep in the same place. Research does show that if you increase people's time awareness by placing a big clock in front of them, for example, they do more stuff, Crab explains. But when we complete more tasks, all that, all that happens is more appear to take their place. Send more emails, get more replies. In essence, if we do more as a result of better managing our time, we don't get it all done. We just become busier, which is a fucking interesting concept, but uh, very, very true, right? Um, Taggart puts this more starkly. Financial insecurity begets endless anxious activity and, in turn, an acute sense of time famine. Uh, the last element of this trifecta of franticness seems to be a fundamental ph philosophical shift in how humans view the world. Traditionally, our, our religious forebears thought of the world as made in God's image, and therefore basically as good as it was going to get. All people needed to do was live as best they could in God's image. These days, of course, we're instead obsessed with progress, and because the world is never perfect, there is always more to do. Um, you unlikely trade your washing machine for a scoring board or your Tesla for a horse and buggy, or you're unlikely to trade your washing machine for a scoring board or your Tesla for a horse and buggy. So is there anything you can do about your feeling of endless time pressure? The first step might, might simply be to gain a little awareness of what we see, of what the feeling stems from. Um, meticulous time use survey shows Americans have more leisure time, not only than our distant ancestors, but than we ourselves did a few decades back. We are not objectively all that busy. What we, what we are is anxious, anxious about time, anxious about status, anxious about making our mark on the world, which means the best way to reduce time pressure isn't generally to change your schedule, it's to chill out and savor the present, which of course is easier said than done. So, just take a breath. Meditation is good. It's always a good thing. Um, but yeah, time can seem to pass us by so quickly. Especially, what's odd to me is once, once I got out of high school and just out of my teenage years, time really seemed to fly by. And I think that's because, uh, from my understanding, through podcasts and just exploring the concept, is through... Um, it's just a lack of major events. You know, before, I don't know, there was always an event happening in that school week or just in social life or whatever you will, right? Um, but now it's just like all you have is this one personal life. You have your work life, you know, so on and so forth. But just no major events like there used to be. So time passes. It, it seems to, it gives the illusion that it passes by quicker because the days are more alike each other so i think that's the key is just also do adventurous shit you know to tie it back into what anthony bourdain taught me i can't reiterate enough uh just explore uh find comfort in situations that would make you uncomfortable you know you'll find yourself there and um and you'll find in this case uh quite fittingly you'll find experiences there that will may alter the person that you are, change your outlook on life, or just have a new kind of fun for the weekend. You know, an unexpected, an unexpectedly good time. 
So yeah, just do different shit. Make sure that your days vary. Don't let one bleed into the next. That's a sign that you need to change some shit. And just be aware, but also be mindful that, you know, there's comfort in stillness. You don't need to constantly be doing. Um, I know it's a bit contradictory, but yeah, just focus on yourself sometimes. You know, if things seem to be overwhelming you, just take a breath, go on a walk, uh, breathe, you know. But uh, I don't want to get too preachy. This has definitely gotten very preachy. But um, I love you guys, and I care about your well-being. And if I can help in any way, that's what I'm trying to get at. So with that being said, um, I love you guys. Love your life. Enjoy your life. Love the people around you. Love your friends. Um, Make moments that you won't forget. And uh, I'll be talking to you on the next podcast. Peace.